0: You, 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 know, I, D, I, D, in the, in the town all day. I be, I be in the, D the, S, E, A. In a you, you, know, I, D, I, D, in the, D in the, S E A, I be, I be a, a Hello and welcome to episode 305 of the Fabulous Pelton cast. I'm your co-host, Kevin Pelton. And
1: I'm Tristan Carcino.
0: And we are coming to you from Renton, Washington, home of the Super Bowl 48 champion Seattle Seahawks. And we are sponsored by our friends at Pagliacci Pizza. There
1: we go. Home of the Super Bowl 48 champion Seattle Seahawks. As an organization, not many familiar faces oh, left. No.
0: Benson Mayo is the only <laughs> member.
1: But when you drive along 405, you can still see the 12 flag. <laughs> that,
0: is, that is definitely the case. Well, it's been a week. What a week it has been. Uh, thanks to everybody who listened to all of the emergency pods last week. There were a lot of them, uh, if you've been keeping up with all of them. And who knows, maybe more to come depending on what the Seahawks have in store for us.
1: You didn't even know. This is the Pitbull episode of the Pelton cast, episode 305. As Danny Brown would say today, don't ever disrespect Mr. 305 like that.
0: (laughs) Well, that's timely, I guess. All right, let's get into our toast and start with this week's beer, which comes to us from our friends at Silver City Brewing.
1: Hope they stay that way. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's the uh, Alive and Amplified Supercharged IPA, which actually came out back in September, but we were so busy at that point. Drinking fresh hot beers (laughs) that we didn't get into it until the beer drop, that is, February and March. The hoppiest beer Silver City Brewery has ever concocted. Alive and Amplified debuts our all new (laughs) proprietary hop amplifier process to extract as much flavor and aroma as possible from the sacred fruit through every stage of the brew, incorporating citra, mosaic, chinook, centennial, and galaxy hops. That's
1: almost too many hops.
0: Bold pine and citrus flavors pleasantly overwhelm the palate with an electrifying bitterness and a sweet, juicy dankness on the nose. All of this glorious hop flavor is contained within a shiny golden liquid with just enough malt to provide substance while keeping things vibrant and nimble enough that you can shred all night long. All right. Uh, i've had several it sounded like i've had several of these I've had, <laughs> yeah. I've, i got the six pack and these pre-game are,
1: this podcast I mean, with mr I 305 no, you were like the hoppiest bil- beer silver city's ever done that's your thing pitbull <laughs> i mean you know pitbull uses amplifiers it makes sense <laughs> is it the uh, citra the mosaic hops which ones do you like the most
0: very strong beer that's okay, a, and very drinkable for the fact that it's a supercharged IPA. I get the feeling people likes his liquor clear. Checking it, yes, wow, yes, I agree. Checking it at a solid seven percent. Oh God. alcohol by
1: volume. We're already pretty turned up before this podcast. <laughs> There's a lot of energy in that. Your children are in. fighting, all ten <laughs> to fifteen of them.
0: Actually, only only nine to fourteen because your middle child is peacefully just playing playing Minecraft. <laughs> very chill, very chill. <laughs> but the oldest and the youngest, a different story. Well. Uh, first up, a reminder to everyone that the Pelton cast NCAA Men's and Women's Tournament Challenge on ESPN is back. Hello, Fill out your brackets. Uh, be sure to get those in by the start of the NCAA, the men's tournament on Thursday, women's tournament on Friday, and compete against the listener, the host. I promised on Twitter the famous cousin Katie. I, have, I don't think she, I've seen that she's joined yet. We'll have to make sure that she
1: does that. Okay. We're going to have to bully her. Yep. Uh, how about this? We haven't talked about this. We need new hats. We do need new hats. We need new Pelton cast hats. Maybe a different color. Maybe yes. <laughs> Definitely a different color. Let's maybe, go with all maybe, the way to probably a different color.
0: I, I would go to overwhelmingly likely a different color, but maybe not even a, a straight, you know, uh uh what, they, what do they call it? The old man hat? Dad hat? Dad hat, yes. Yeah.
1: Why what what type of hat are we gonna do?
0: i have suggested beanie as a possibility oh
1: yeah I don't like that idea oh okay <laughs> no, I don't know fine uh, for some events that may be coming up soon we're going to need to replenish our stock of hats and if we do that we would gladly mail a hat to whomever wins the men's and women's uh, uh, tournament challenge
0: so there you go. If that's not enough to get you to sign up for the tournament challenge, yes. I don't know Hypothetic,
1: what it's. Hypothetical hats that we have not ordered and do not have in hand, don't know what the design is, for an, an event that may or may not happen.
0: We'll get to this later, but first up, a toast to USF. We've oh, been hello. following them all year. The first NCAA tournament berth since 1998. There we go. For the University of San Francisco. For Next up, a toast to the MLB and the Players Association for coming to agreement. On a new collective bargaining agreement, season set to start April seventh. I'm gonna give
1: that like a half toast. I mean, yeah,
0: it's it's obviously not not as good as it could have been, but uh, it it felt on because that agreement came on what Wednesday.
1: A toast to breaking the backs of labor.
0: Yeah, grinding
1: them down and getting what you want.
0: Well, you know, it it wasn't gonna get any better. But I no, we'll gi-
1: we'll give up the players being able to stand wherever they'd like to. Wait, what? They ended the shift. Oh yeah, I still I truly do not comprehend how that's going to work.
0: I'm uh, yeah, I have not. I have Maybe not done they'll any draw squares on, that. on the field for you can
1: stand. It's the most <laughs> fucking amateur bullshit. I'm very annoyed by this, but that's the one thing that the players get. They get all the inconsequential stuff, and the owners get all of the money.
0: Were the players <laughs>
1: pushing to end the shift? I think it was from the player side. Huh, I did not know that.
0: Well, today I learned.
1: I might be totally wrong with that. Who knows? Don't quote me on it.
0: Now we've got to pour some out. I've already drank several of these Alive and amplified. Wow, and <laughs> wow, getting down. Now we've got to pour some out. Oh, my God. For an inaugural PeltonCast Hall of Famer oh. that is no longer
1: with us <laughs> for the second time. I love that it was in the PeltonCast Hall of Fame. Wow, oh, of I course. forgot we have to do that pretty soon here.
0: We do. I, I, I've got an idea of who might be our direct elect wow. candidates this year. Okay. Uh, there might be some people that have been in the news lately that are Seattle legends. Pelton cast legends, okay, who are are maybe immediately eligible because they no longer play for Seattle teams. Wow. I don't know if you can think of anyone that would DJ meet that criteria. Reed. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Uh, anyways, for the second time, Cube ninety three, <laughs> as we know it, is no more.
1: Uh, this apparently actually happened a few weeks ago. They pivoted to pop radio a couple weeks so ago. So they were playing. It was, it was they like were a simulcast of one hundred six point one. Kiss FM
0: hits one, No, hits one hundred six point one. Sorry, I'm told. I take that back. Uh, and then, starting last week, this came. Apparently, the the timing got sped up by the Russell Wilson trade. They shifted to simulcasting. Not, that Video was their emergency KTK. pod. Oh, yeah, that was that, yeah. <laughs> their
1: version of the emergency pod. Is to just take away Cube ninety three forever and put fucking KJR on. I mean, it wasn't like they did it
0: because weren't going to do it. It just didn't change the timing of it.
1: That's bleak. Yeah, Th- they were like, you don't get Cube anymore, but you get all the softy you could possibly want. Good Lord.
0: I mean, if I'm going to be honest, I can't tell you specifically the last time I listened to Cube. It had been a little bit at least. Cause I was
1: listening all the time.
0: The win- the winter months I've got podcasts on in the car almost exclusively.
1: I mean, to lose rap radio in Seattle, like I swear to God, this is part of the trend, right? We, we elect the certain mayor... We elect people in the city council. I, Things are going a certain direction. I think this, Seattle I think is, is going. This is more
0: about the fact that the the hip hop community is probably even relative to the rest of the world that has phased out FM radio. Even relative to that, is probably super online and no, therefore I, I not agree. consuming music. But, but the I'm radio. making a
1: point about how for the last 40 years we've been talking about Seattle's getting worse, right? Wouldn't you say like 1980 is right around when people felt like Seattle was getting worse?
0: That's when it started to get
1: worse? That's when people started talking about Seattle getting worse.
0: Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know when Emmett Watson started the Citizens for a Lesser Seattle in the Seattle Times column.
1: I feel like— That probably was a long time ago. The problem is Seattle is getting worse, and the people who are making it worse are the people who said that Seattle was getting worse. <clears throat> those people have finally won. They took over. Q93 is gone. We have a whole different type of politics in the city of Seattle. You, you, it is You, you didn't sinister. even bring up the
0: fact that we have hockey instead of basketball. There's hockey. We, look, the I, politics I'm sorry. is not that I swear different. to God, if
1: I'm going to move, this is the right fucking time. Okay. Well, Nashville, Tennessee, they don't have a hockey team, do they? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody would think to play hockey in Nashville. I've been there. No way that they have a team. Perish At least there's the a thought. basketball team closer. Imagine how natural it'd be to cheer for the former Grizz. How much closer they're... is
0: Memphis than Portland?
1: Uh that's a great question. I think it's quite a bit closer. I think it's like an hour.
0: Okay, well, go go check out that podcast I'm, geography.
1: I'm I'm just telling you, I it is. These are dark times in Seattle, Washington, and Q93 leaving is a huge part of it.
0: I agree these are dark times in wow. Seattle, Washington.
1: I, it is, in fact, almost exactly the same amount of time. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Three hours and 14 minutes. <laughs> That's actually longer because there's no
0: traffic yeah. at this point. Oh, Lord. I could, I could make that drive in two and a half hours at this point.
1: It's almost the distance like from Seattle was to Vancouver. It's actually farther than that. That's pretty funny.
0: Yeah. All right. All right. Last up this week, an update from the city of Renton. Hello. And this is a toast to you, the listener, because they are incredibly excited that construction has started on the Family First Community Center in Renton's Cascade Benson Hill area, which they don't specifically note in the press release is where you used to live. I d- didn't come up. Weirdly. Uh, what began as one person's dream about six years ago grew into a community wide effort and is now a reality. Former Seattle Seahawks wide receiver Doug Baldwin envisioned a neighborhood center as a community gathering point for youth and adults. Growing up in Florida, Doug experienced firsthand how a community center could be a positive influence. That experience, plus his deep sense of civic involvement, motivated him to come to city leadership with his vision. To build the center, a partnership was formed between the city, Doug Baldwin's Family First Community Center Foundation, First Financial Northwest Foundation, the Renton School District, and HealthPoint, and also additional uh, the partnership launched a com- community fundraising event that currently totals more than 14 million that amount includes 4.4 4 million in two grants from the state of Washington 4 million from the city 3 million grant from the First fin- North Financial Northwest Foundation 1 million from the Family First Community Center Foundation uh, 338,000 from MJ Murdoch Charitable Trust 250,000 from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation 200,000 from the Premier Social Impact Fund and donations from over 100 businesses organizations and individuals and some of those donations are from the PeltonCast listener, go. the proceeds of our last live show. Last well, two, two, right? I, that's probably true, yeah. yeah. Uh, in addition, Renton rent School District donated land adjacent to a Cascade Elementary School for the center's home. So, very exciting to see this. We've been talking about it for a long period this of time, awesome. supporting it. And they had, a, they had a groundbreaking in 2019, but now they've actually started construction. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> it's more of a memorial. There was no ground broken. It was a ceremony. Yeah. <laughs> Figurative groundbreaking. Well, the city of Seattle may be one thing. The city adjacent to it in Renton, Washington, is only getting better than ever. Rallying around places like uh the Doug Baldwin Family First Center in Cascade, Washington. This is awesome to see.
0: Renton, ahead of the curve. All right, that's it for our toasts. I think we should probably get into this semi-emergency pod style to talk about the first two days of free agency. Uh, As we mentioned at the top, we recorded a free agency preview (sighs) Sunday night. And most of that still holds, Holds, I would say, because the quarterback market has been very slow to develop. It seems like everyone is probably waiting out Deshaun Watson finding a, a new home via trade. And Unfortunately,
1: then, that home is not looking like it'll be Seattle.
0: Yes, Seattle reportedly or not, in Washington. not in the mix whatsoever for Deshaun Watson. So the only quarterback signings we've seen thus far have been guys who are presumably going to be backups. Well, we saw Mitchell Trubisky go to the Steelers as a starter. <laughs> And that's another one. Like, yeah, that's that's good.
1: Teddy Bridgewater is a backup, but Mitchell Trubisky is a starter. I, again, check the numbers on that
0: one. Hmm. Huh? Interesting. <laughs> Funny. Can't put my finger on it. Uh, as you mentioned, Bridgewater set to sign with the Miami Dolphins <laughs> to presumably go in as a backup to Tua Tonga Valoa. Uh, I think the report was one year, six point five million. It's shocking that the Seahawks wouldn't beat that. That. Deal,
1: I, I think they, they probably had their eyes on another quarterback is my guess. Uh,
0: the, the concern is that other quarterback might be Drew Locke.
1: Uh, we'll see.
0: We will see. the uh, And then the other quarterback who's off the board we didn't actually talk about in that preview is Terod Taylor, who uh, was backing up in Houston and uh, signed with the Giants to back up Daniel Jones and provide kind of some competence behind him should things go wrong.
1: Definitely a lot of uncertainty across the quarterback market throughout the NFL. You know, I think I got to say this NFL offseason has been more exciting than it's probably been ever. I mean, Russ getting traded was probably one of the biggest transactions we've almost ever seen in free agency uh, or close to free agency. So like having that, but then sort of the dominoes falling around it where I feel like. In the past, we didn't have this carousel of quarterbacks quite as much as we do now. And it's kind of like it gobbles up somebody new every year, right? It was like Baker Mayfield has entered the chat. Like the amount of players who are now potentially on the market and the difference between being like uh, uh, an emboldened starting quarterback and being a a quarterback who could move on feels like there's a very fine line between those players. You know, like... I I wouldn't be surprised if there were other quarterbacks who haven't even been discussed who end up on the move this offseason. You know, like Derek Carr has not really been part of any sort of like tangible conversation at this point. I wouldn't be shocked if that were the case. But when you have the Brady return, right? You have the Brady return. You have Deshaun Watson changing teams. You have Baker Mayfield potentially changing teams. You have Russ changing teams. And then all of these other teams who need quarterbacks. I think part of it is that you can look around and say that there probably aren't any sort of like first-year starting quarterbacks in the draft, necessarily. All of them feel like they probably will need at least a year to back up or be eased into a starting job, and that might be part of it. But it does seem like there are competent NFL quarterbacks to be had at this point, and it really just depends on which one the Seahawks have their eye on. I thought the report about Jameis was definitely an interesting one. And if the Seahawks end up with Jameis Winston this offseason, like, Obviously, I'm going to be still upset about Russ not being the quarterback and seeing him, like, uh, uh, go to the Children's Hospital in Denver wearing Broncos gear was just, like, it hurt. It cut deep. I mean, it's awesome to be like, damn. Like, Russell Wilson still, no matter what, is such a great part of the community that he goes into. For sure. And that's part of what's such a bummer about this. Like, aside from the NFL aspect, like, Russell Wilson is a very important person to have in your community. But... If they end up just quarterback talent-wise with Jameis Winston, I would love to see the coach after Pete Carroll coach Jameis Winston. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a, uh, well, we'll get to that because uh, I, I don't know how I'm feeling about the 2022 Seattle Seahawks at the moment, but I mean, there's there, you're still looking at four teams that don't have a starting quarterback right now. <laughs> Carolina
1: depends on how you value Drew Locke. <laughs>
0: well, yes, the, the Seahawks being in that group. PJ Washington
1: is it? Wait, was that the quarterback for Carolina?
0: It's PJ, but I don't think it's Washington. Okay. PJ Washington is the, a forward center for the uh, Charlotte Hornets. Okay. You may be thinking of uh PJ Walker. That sounds right. Yeah. And the starting caliber quarterbacks out there who weren't currently on a team, I mean, obviously, Baker might be on there, but then that adds Cleveland to the list. Jimmy G might be out there, but then that adds San Francisco to I the list. I think Trey
1: Lance is their starter.
0: Possibly. I mean, you've got... I mean, Jameis is basically end of list at this point, right? Like, we've mentioned Gardner Minshew is a possibility. I wouldn't be surprised if Marcus Mariota ended up starting for one of these teams. Ryan Fitzpatrick, but... It's, we're getting down to it. So I think one of these teams is probably going to end up in a position where they either are going like deep into the, you know, they are starting the Drew Locke or the Sam Ellinger, that type of quarterback, or they're starting a day one, day one quarterback pick.
1: There's dominoes too, though. Like the thing about Deshaun is if Deshaun Watson goes to the Falcons, all of a sudden there's a domino of Matt Ryan, like,
0: which still seems like a long shot to me.
1: I mean, financially, it's definitely a long shot, but like. If they trade for Deshaun Watson, they're not going to keep Matt Ryan on the roster.
0: Yes, I I agree with that element. I mean, this the trading for Deshaun Watson that I think is a long shot, and you know we, people we just
1: have, don't know at this point. And it really, I think you're right about him being the prim- Like he's the domino that's going to make everybody else fall, and it'll probably move quickly after that.
0: That would not be surprising to me. Uh, people have mentioned would Matt Ryan be an option for the Seahawks? That contract is pretty hefty. Uh, number one, number two. If you
1: take out the bonuses, is that hefty?
0: Well, so, you know, there was a report that he was going to restructure his contract to make much of or, more of it bonuses in mm-hmm. void years. But I, what I understood from today's reporting is that hasn't yet been signed. Uh-huh, and they're so, trying to trade for Deshaun so Watson. So obviously, if they trade for Deshaun Watson, then they would not make that move. So I'm not sure what it looks like in its previous form. I think it might be a lot of guaranteed base salary.
1: But the reality is, life. do you think they would trade him or like they would just have to outright release him otherwise?
0: Possible that they would really some I I don't know I mean it's it's beyond my level of ability to speculate but Matt Ryan's performance the last couple of years has really dropped off pretty precipitously and this is something we talked about offline like if you want to rationalize the Russell Wilson trade
1: are we getting into the rationalization can we wait until the end I'm happy to rationalize the Russell Wilson trade. It's I mean, been I just think this is... This it's is, been one full week, and I am happy to rationalize. I think this is
0: relevant to the Matt Ryan point. The Falcons are the scenario you don't want to end up in, where you're paying still premium quarterback money for a quarterback who's no longer playing on that level. They also had a depleted roster around him for some similar reasons to the Seahawks, and the result is a team that hasn't been particularly competitive in recent seasons. Yeah. I mean, they had a they had a good record last year, but they were what like thirtieth in DVOA. They were like the anti Seahawks in terms and of DVOA. And did they have a good record?
1: Like, I mean, it was
0: like seven, seven and ten, eight, and nine, somewhere yeah. in that range.
1: It's <clears throat> it's still kind of NFL purgatory, in the place to be. Like, if you have that record and you have an extremely expensive quarterback, you're pretty much fucked at that
0: point. And an extremely old quarterback, yes. Yeah, no, it's uh, not at all where you want to be. So, and they did finish seven and ten. I mean, that's a scenario where the Seahawks could have eventually gotten themselves with into with Russell Wilson if they had extended him next year. I the number one thing I come back to is why now? You had him under contract. He wasn't gonna, you know, need an extension this year. They could have just run it back with this fourth place schedule and seen what happened. But right now, the situation we're talking about. Is that the Seahawks have a, a lot of work to do to get back to the level of talent they had when Russell Wilson was injured? Because right now the roster is way worse than that. Because they lost Bobby Wagner, they've now lost D.J. Reed in free agency. Oh Dwayne Brown remains a free agent. They have like two starting offensive linemen under contract. Things are bleak, man. I did, that's I
1: ended the last podcast by saying <laughs> yeah, that things are bleak, and they've actually gotten bleaker. <laughs> They've really rallied around Sidney Jones, which, like, I love Sidney no, Jones. No, they've rallied but, around Will Disley. And they've really rallied around Will Disley. I, I just don't really understand. Again, love Will Disley and Sidney Jones. O- on a personal level, I'm a huge fan of both of those players. I actually do think that Will Disley... I They obviously overpaid for Will Disley. But, like, I do think that Will Disley could have gone into free agency and gotten a relatively similar contract.
0: I mean, I assume that the reason they offered him... An eight million million average value is because someone else was in a similar market. I don't think they did it just out of the generosity of their heart. I
1: don't know. There's some teams that kind of just, you don't really know what they're doing and why they're doing it.
0: But Yeah, but some of those teams which you don't know what they're doing and why they're doing it is spending a lot of money on on players who don't seem to be worth that much money. Yeah,
1: I, I'm just saying. So like, Will Disley could be one of those players. You're saying that somebody, somebody who didn't know what they were doing could have valued Will Disley.
0: I mean, maybe the Jays before they signed Evan Ingram mm-hmm. had that similar offer out there to Will Disley. I mean, one of the things that got mentioned is there's not a lot of guaranteed money in that Disley contract, but the size of the signing bonus really makes it quite difficult for them to move on. Uh, this was a point that you know Robert Mays made on Twitter talking about one of those Jacksonville signings, Christian Kirk, that like, oh, people are like, actually, it's really a two-year $37 million contract. <laughs> He's like,
1: yeah, that's a lot too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and so like Disley, the options for the Seahawks, if you look at this contract, uh, all these figures from overthecap.com, of course. Uh, They've got an option for one year, eleven million. <laughs> two years, seventeen million, and that would then guarantee his base salary for two thousand twenty-three. Would guarantee if he's on the roster. I think like it's the fifth day of the league year. Or they keep him through the entire duration of the contract, and it's three years, twenty-four million
1: for an injury-prone tight end as well. Like it's not like he's been the peak of health, also in his career. I, Will Disley has been pretty good when he's played.
0: He was very good his first two seasons as a receiver. Like I don't think his blocking dropped off last season. His his receiving production did decline pretty substantially, and I don't know if that's just Gerald Everett was taking more of these those targets, which Fant is obviously going to right. But that's the other thing is like they're gonna play two tight ends a lot. I don't think that, you know, fan I mean Noah Fant meant they didn't need Will Disley, but did they need Will Disley so bad that they had to pay him eight million a year? They
1: look at Will Disley and what they see in Will Disley is answering another problem, which is how are we gonna run the ball all the time? Will Disley is not there to to support the passing game. Noah Fant can support the passing game. Will Disley is there to support Rashad Penny and running the damn ball. Like, we know why they re-signed Will Disley, and Will Disley in particular, instead of going out and finding somebody else. They said, we know he can block, and that's who we want.
0: Yeah, did they know that Kate Otten was
1: in the draft? Were they aware of that? <laughs> draft him, too. Oh, yeah. They've also <laughs> been notoriously shitty at drafting tight ends. Well. In, the, in the tight end draft, they didn't draft a tight end. They just do it always wrong. They don't draft a tight end in the tight end draft. They don't draft a wide receiver in the wide receiver draft. Like...
0: Oh, you got to zig while well, the rest of the league
1: zags. <laughs> yeah. Who was the fourth round wide receiver that they released? Amara Darba? Yeah, Amara Darba. There's their zag. I mean, there's a,
0: a, all the way. But the actual correct answer to that question was, which one? Yeah. Because there was also Chris Harper. Oh, yeah, Chris Harper, too. Back in the day.
1: But I, I think you have to look at these moves so far and really say... Should we talk? We haven't
0: gone There aren't that together. many.
1: I mean, you could, you could mention them all, but
0: so you mentioned uh sydney jones which that's a much more modest contract but now it seems like a possibility that he's going to go into camp as the starter with dj reed signing with the jets on a pretty lucrative three or 33 million dollar deal uh or Green to these these outside free agents can't officially be signed until wednesday at 1 p.m pacific when the league year begins uh al woods a contract that you know, same sort of choice. One year, 5.2 million. Two years, 9 million are the options there. Not surprising that he got a raise, a substantial raise coming off that season. I love what Outwoods does. And and a short-term deal. Uh, We don't have contract details yet on Quandre Diggs, but the average value was, what, 13 million on that one, I believe?
1: I thought it was three for 40.
0: Well, that's that's 13. You're saying
1: you don't have the contract details, like when he could be released or whatever. whatever Right.
0: Signing bonus, which so much of these contracts do come down to that. How much of this is bone and, you know, likely incentives. There, every contract, NFL contract is a snowflake. It, it just,
1: (laughs) I read a thing. In a unique sense. Okay. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's like Chapo trap house over here. Uh, (laughs) Um, Glorifying losers like Quandre (laughs) Diggs. The uh, it's it's kind of baffling though when you look at these contracts in terms of each other, which is they're they're definitely spending at safety, right? And you're like, okay, where would you like to if you're building an NFL roster? Where do you want to spend? And you're like, cornerback, that's an important place to spend. Safety, maybe you go a little bit cheaper there. And the Seahawks are like, nope, we're going to spend all capital and all cap resources on safety. We'll go cheap at the corner position. And then they get fucking roasted at corner, right? Like,
0: I mean, they got roasted at safety before they traded for Quandre Diggs. So I get why they're doing that. I mean, part this of is
1: not, not, I love Quandre Diggs, but like, if you have Quandre Diggs, but you can't defend on the outside, it's just not that big of a deal to have Quandre Diggs. And we saw what they look like with bad corners, and it was ugly last year. I mean, they, DJ Reed was the only steady corner they had. Yeah. You have to believe pretty strongly in, like, two Trey Brown games.
0: That is correct. Trey Brown wears 22, right? Yes. It's uh, it's very similar to the, uh, the couple of games of Why Am I Forgetting the Running Back now. Oh, cool. CJ Spiller?
1: CJ no, no, Pro Prosize who yeah. also
0: wore number 22. There's a, there's a symmetry there somewhere.
1: I mean, I'm, I think that Trey Brown is probably a very good corner, but he's really, really untested. And DJ Reed is the same way. Like, or DJ Reed is not that case. DJ Reed is, at this point, closer to a known commodity and the closest right. thing the Seahawks had to a number one cornerback. And now we're kind of back in the same situation that we were in at the beginning of last year, which is having pretty questionable corners. Like,
0: I, It seems to be the start of every season.
1: I mean, since Richard Sherman was gone, that's been the case. And again, I like Sidney Jones. There were
0: some Richard Sherman seasons where there was some questionable corners opposite him, too.
1: But if you go into the season, you know, this is two consecutive years that they've let sort of like number one type money cornerbacks go. And cornerback play hasn't been particularly good for them. So they're investing in safeties, but not investing on the outside. They're just building this team all wrong, right? They're investing at run-blocking tight end instead of at quarterback. Like, this is just not how you want to build a team financially. I understand if you have totally unique players, there's different ways to, to what is the term? Uh, 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 to carve the onion. What is the term? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I,
0: I know the expression you're going for, but I can't think of it off the top of my uh-huh. head either.
1: Uh-huh. Well, whatever.
0: <laughs> carve the onion for sure is not it.
1: Well, there's a lot of different ways you can carve an onion. <laughs> um,
0: but there's so you can you can even use it as a belt. It's with the
1: style at the time. <laughs> there's different ways to assemble a team based upon the talent you have, and I do get as like investing in the two safeties that they have right now because they are presumably on, on the upper tier of safeties in the NFL. But you also should pair them with good cornerbacks because what you need is not two good safeties. You need a good secondary, right? Yeah. Two good safeties are kind of wasted if you have shitty cornerbacks and to go, they're going cheap in the places that you shouldn't go cheap. If you looked at the secondary and it was Shaquille Griffin and it was DJ Reed and it was whomever, right? Ugo Omadi, Quandre Diggs, Jamal Adams. You're talking about a top five secondary. As it is, it's... I don't know if I agree with that. You may be talking on a top five secondary.
0: I mean, they no, they may also plan to use an early pick on a corner again. That's that's a possibility. They do have a first round pick now. Do you so.
1: really think there's a chance that the Seahawks use an early pick on a corner?
0: I don't think the idea that, like, oh, they haven't done it in the, pa- in the past. I'm sure wasn't
1: that late, but...
0: Well. G- Quill was probably the earliest of the corners yeah. they've drafted, period, right? Maybe, maybe there was someone a long time ago in the second round, uh, maybe back in the, like, the Walter Thurman days. I, I don't think the fact, like this draft is inherently a small sample size. You only it's make, a make
1: really small sample size for the Seahawks. You, yeah.
0: You usually only make one to two picks in the first couple of rounds. So the fact that they haven't used one of those couple of picks on a quarterback, I don't think definitively proves okay. they're not going to do it in the future, is I what mean, I'm saying. Hopefully
1: they'll end up with multiple picks. But but so, like, how they've approached this offseason so far is they traded away Hall of, F- Hall of Fame franchise, best quarterback in the the team's history, right? That was one decision that was made. Followed that decision by investing in the run-blocking tight end, followed that decision by letting their number one cornerback go, and invested in the run-stuffing defensive tackle. Like, I just, they're assembling the team all wrong for how you assemble a football team.
0: Well, if only there were any other evidence that went along with this to suggest that maybe Pete Carroll's football philosophy was not in line with... Uh, evidence-based modern
1: thinking. Well, the other thing is we see the compensatory draft picks that come out today, right? And we know all about the Rams and they're like, fuck your draft picks perspective. It's
0: not. It's fuck your first round picks. Let me
1: count the amount of Rams compensatory picks. I believe it
0: was four, wasn't it?
1: One, two, three, four, five. Five. Compensatory picks. For the LA Rams. Let me count the Seahawks compensatory picks. Okay.
0: (laughs) You're scrolling. By the way, the Earl Thomas draft, the draft was not that long ago. The comp pick they got in for Earl Thomas was in 2020. So it was only two drafts again. Hold on, I'm still counting here. Oh, Sorry. okay. You're, you're just scouring zero, this list.
1: Zero compensatory <laughs> well, picks. And do you know why they had zero compensatory picks?
0: Is it is it because they signed a bunch of medi- mediocre free agents?
1: Basically none of whom contributed to the team. I mean, was Al
0: Woods waived? He wasn't one of the ones. That I don't
1: think Al Woods was one of them. Yeah. But like... That they are approaching the whole how to assemble a roster of football players. They are approaching it all wrong, and they're getting their they're getting their asses handed to them by other teams throughout the NFC West. The Rams can let star players go every year because they keep getting other good players in the draft they or trading drafting for them play- or trading for them. But they're they're replenishing the stock. Yeah, they're not just being like, "Wow, we found Sidney Jones, we're good," and. Seeing this, like, it doesn't really matter where the compensatory picks are, although the Rams do have a third round pick. But also you look at Yeah, their, I do think it. And it NFC NFC teams, New Orleans has two third round picks. San Francisco has two third round picks. The Rams, right? These are good teams who have compensatory picks. I don't see a lot of bad teams in here. And it's almost like that's not a fucking coincidence. Of course, it's not. I mean, you've Detroit got better players. Detroit actually has done a pretty good job of it.
0: You've got better players to that other teams are going to want, and you've got more ability to replace them. I mean, there it, it, it definitely is a cyclical thing to what the Rams are doing because they, they draft players that allow them to replace the players that they, have, they lose in free agency. Now, at the moment, the Seahawks would net a fourth-round comp pick for uh, DJ Reed, according to over-the-caps calculations, as well as—I'm sorry, a fifth-round comp pick for DJ Reed, and a seventh-rounder for Jamarco Jones, who signed with the Titans on a reported two-year $5.75 million deal. That, that one barely qualifies. But, of course, as soon as you sign a free agent, it cancels out one of those, those contracts.
1: If you look at—again, I mean, you talked about Signing basically outside ha- free having talent, but the amount of <clears throat> picks that went to teams that made the playoffs versus teams that didn't make the playoffs— is shocking how different it is, right? Like the amount of teams who didn't make the playoffs. I th- Detroit did a very good job of it. There's like one New Orleans. Well, you pick. know where the
0: you know where the Lions GM comes from, right?
1: From L. A. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure like he knows what's up. But then you look at the rest of the third round: San Francisco, Kansas City, L. A. Rams, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, Baltimore... This is the fourth round: Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Green Bay, Baltimore, L. A. Rams, Tennessee, like. Basically, I'm the Seahawks
0: used to be one of those teams. They used to get compacts.
1: I don't think in the seventh round there's a single team that didn't make the playoffs. Chargers twice, Arizona twice, Green Bay. Charger, Chargers did not make the playoffs. Well, basically. Oh, okay. Wow. In, in our hearts, you understand <laughs> what I'm saying, though. They are a playoff caliber. Yes, team. I understand what you're saying. You keep saying
0: it over and over again. I'm telling you, I agree with it.
1: But they're assembling the roster. Completely wrong. Yeah, often let me just tell you
0: Th- they're all gonna get fired because of it once there's less money left on their contracts. This
1: is a great thing.
0: I, wow. I that's okay, that's a rationalization. First off, uh I okay, a a thought experiment I did not post on Twitter. Pete Carroll's contract got extended in November 2020 when the Seahawks were flying high. Let Russ Cook was still in the recent rear view mirror. Pete Carroll hadn't bragged about fixing the offense in the second half of the season yet. They hadn't lost to the Rams in a miserable, ugly playoff game. They hadn't fired Brian Schottenheimer, as offensive coordinator. If the Seahawks had just waited until after the 2020 season to decide on that contract extension, is Russell Wilson still a Seahawk today?
1: I think absolutely. I mean, you don't, after that season, probably extend Pete.
0: I I mean I, it was it I mean it's weird to be too negative about this that season. They did win the NFC West. But the way they that the, this, literally the second team that they gave them the contract
1: about. things got real ugly for the team.
0: I mean they beat the Rams after that. But yes, it was a, they a beat sharp the Rams downturn. in
1: a pretty ugly game and then who did they lose to? I I the can't Jet, remember. The Giants. They lost oh, to the yes. Giants. I thought you were joking about the Rams. No, no, no. The they, lost the yes, Giants, they lost to the Giants though. Gi- they did crush the Jets and then got killed by the Rams in the playoffs.
0: I mean, the other thing I wanted to note here is uh, I saw this tweet from Richard Johnson at RJ writes, uh, draft and develop. Okay, but what if your team is bad at those two things? Then you got to get different people drafted and developing because there's no other way to do it.
1: I also don't believe that teams can be bad at those two things. I think they
0: can definitely, I I think they can probably be bad at drafting, but can't be good at drafting, but they can definitely be bad at developing.
1: Uh, Possibly you could be bad at developing. I don't know.
0: I mean, we know what we have a sense for what bad infrastructure looks like in the NFL, and that doesn't always excuse poor play by players in those systems. Sam Darnold isn't going to become a star just because of the fact that you take him away from the Jets because the Jets are bad at drafting and developing, but the Jets still are bad at drafting and developing.
1: I think, like quarter, I think drafting quarterbacks is all luck. I do not believe that there is a team that is good or bad at drafting quarterbacks. I also don't know if I believe that there's a team that's good or bad at developing quarterbacks.
0: I mean, when I say that there might be teams that are bad at drafting, I mean, across all positions, maybe you'd get enough of a sample to know when a team is actually messing things up. Tiny,
1: tiny differences, though.
0: But when you thin that sample out to one position in specific, where you at most play one player at a time... Like, yeah, no, obviously there's no such thing as skill at drafting quarterbacks. Like, you know, you you can be Bill Walsh and think that who who was the quarterback at the end of his career, the one from Hofstra? Gio Carmazzi.
1: Oh, yeah. He's, he's still going to be good. <laughs> Giovanni Carmazzi.
0: And they took him over some incredible quarterbacks.
1: We need to have more Italian quarterbacks, though.
0: Well, have you seen the <laughs> Jimmy G Subway ads?
1: Day. Vinny Testaverde. Wait, which Subway ads? The Jimmy G Subway ads. Oh, yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo, actually. Yeah, it's still, still a pretty good time period for <laughs> uh, Italian quarterbacks. Again,
0: we would definitely talk ourselves into it. Oh, i for Jimmy Garoppolo.
1: I'm, like, excited about the possibility of Jimmy G and Jameis Winston at this point. But... <laughs> These are all good things. I'm almost, almost don't want the Seahawks to sign too good of a quarterback because what they're doing right now is they are setting up the team long-term in a good place. I don't really question that. It seems like this offseason they might have figured out how to do comp picks, right? They they sat out. But
0: it's random whether year to year, whether they do it. No, like One year they do and one year they don't.
1: There's no vision for it at all. It is very clear that there is no long term vision there.
0: It's just whatever happened the last year overcorrecting to that. Which they we have they haven't done the thing yet where normally like you know they have a weakness at pass rush. So They decided to sign not one pass good pass rusher like three mediocre. Pass the good rushers. news is
1: they have a weakness everywhere, so they can't really overcompensate. Oh dear! Position. And
0: and the cap space is it's there, but it's it's, it's dwindling a bit. $40 million before you account for whatever Quandra Diggs' cap hit is going to be this year.
1: But if you're not going to sign Trey Hendrickson, JC Jackson, players like that, where you're going to be throwing real money at good young players, there's really no point in signing free agents, in my opinion.
0: You should probably sign players who get cut by other teams. Yes. And then you should probably trade for players because, yep. yes, you give up that draft pick now, but you're replenishing it with the comp pick you get for the free agent that you've lost and replaced that way.
1: I mean, just looking at these comp picks, I, w- I was viscerally sick <laughs> looking at it. It's just like how... It's, it's like the fucking... The instructions are there and you're not reading them, right? It's like there is a well, way to do a, this.
0: It's like the David Griffin. I gave you the answers and you still failed the test. <laughs> I don't know about David Griffin. I don't know if I can
1: <laughs> say anything about David Griffin. Positive. But like, <laughs> hey, they're, they're going to get that 10 seed. They're going to do it. That is a good uh, CJ looked really good tonight. Losing by how much?
0: Uh, Yeah, they... they, they Didn't they yeah. play Brooklyn? No, they played Phoenix. Oh, okay. They lost to Phoenix.
1: Okay. But CJ looked good. Okay, CJ looked great losing to Phoenix. That's all that's all they're looking for. But like there is there is a roadmap to being a good football team. There aren't there aren't that many different ways to cut the onion. Right? Like <laughs> there is Just
0: sticking stubbornly with that
1: non existent phrase. There's a lot like I understand you can have talent in different places, but like the basic gist is you get a bunch of draft picks. They have a whole system set up to give you these draft picks, and the Seahawks don't do it. We know where the value is, right? It doesn't really take that much football knowledge. You know, to be an inside football guy, to get that, hey, maybe you shouldn't invest your money in the run-blocking tight end, or that you should have some fucking cornerbacks on your team. Like, I I don't think you need to, like, break down all 22 or whatever. You don't need to be smash-mouth out there. Okay,
0: God, I was making sure we were going to get that (laughs) reference.
1: (laughs) (laughs) To be able to understand how to assemble a football team. But somehow you can have a fucking 70 year old coach and the GM who listens to him and have total shit for brains about how to assemble a football team and say to yourself that this is building a long term roster. And you know what? I still think it kind of is. Just not with these guys in charge. (laughs) That's the best thing about this. You're setting up the
0: draft capital for whoever comes in in 2023?
1: They are. This is good news three, four years down the road. It's terrible news next year. This team's going to be awful. They're going to be awful, and they're going to be irrelevant, which is really like the worst of both worlds. Man, when that national TV schedule
0: comes out and there aren't Seahawks games on there, that's going to be jarring.
1: Oh, thank God. sick of them. Oh, wow. I'm sick of it all. More rationalization? It's just like... The fucking people who signed up, you know, there's like the the years-long waiting list for tickets. That shit's about to get, like, whittled down. Our aunt and uncle, who all of a sudden saw Russell Wilson, who were like, sign me up for season tickets. Those fuckers ain't buying those season tickets when it comes up. When they see that it's going to be Drew Locke or Jameis Winston or Jimmy Garoppolo, all of a sudden those uh, those Seahawks season tickets are going to look pretty expensive. Would that it were? Would so, that it were? But, but the reality is... There is now draft capital in place for when the next regime takes over. And there probably will be good young players in place. It's just that they're not going to be good young players next year. And I just don't, I really don't see how after this offseason, they fucking, they put their asses out there by trading Russell Wilson. It has to work. Yeah. And Pete Carroll, again, not that young.
0: I mean, especially like this is the other reason to root for the Broncos. Like the better the no, Broncos do, the worse the Seahawks are gonna look by comparison. But there's also
1: we should be cheering against them for the draft pick.
0: I guess that's true.
1: Which I don't know on the flip side of it, like Russell Wilson went from one arms race, which actually this this NFC West this offseason has not been that that much of one, but well, he went to probably the, the Rams biggest...
0: the Rams don't I mean I guess the Stafford move was this time last year. It was actually like a month and a half earlier. The but the Rams moves, they they're they're coming. They'll come in like week four.
1: They're going to be eight and nine next year, but the <laughs> the comeuppance is coming for the Rams. But the AFC West that is a goddamn arms race. Yes. So Russell Wilson going to the AFC West, and all of a sudden in one week, the AFC West picking up J. C. Jackson and Cleo Mack was like it was a little it was a little bittersweet to be like D- welcome to the big leagues, kid. For us.
0: Oh no! It's I mean, it's like uh, <laughs> I mean, Benton pointed out third brother Ben Baldwin pointed out like why are people saying this is bad he was in the NFC West it was already tough it's like well yeah but if you left it you assumed it just by random chance you would end up in an easier division and
1: then he didn't he's just like can can I please I mean Aaron Rodgers right has probably had the him Brady like the superstar quarterbacks have had very little competition throughout their careers yeah They just like can I get some fucking Justin Fields around well, me?
0: Brady might have Deshaun This division. We'll see about that. If he plays. It seems, I mean I guess the the only options at this point are Carolina, New Orleans, and Atlanta. He's going
1: to have Deshaun Watson. Is there some Cleveland Steam?
0: Is there? I guess that's what who's gonna push out Baker? Anything else on the Seahawks?
1: <sighs> I mean, I guess to to rationalize the Russell Wilson trade, it's been a week. I'm still upset about it. I think the timing in particular was awful. It's it's almost partially just like, I just don't trust these people to make this trade, right? And I, I think the more that we hear about it, you know, like the Commanders deal, it seems like this was it. Russ was going to the Broncos. Yes,
0: that that is the one thing that I think has become much more clear is that it wasn't a case of wanting him in the AFC. Uh, it was w- Russell Wilson's preference.
1: I still think they probably could have held out for more. You know, I truly wonder what how we would respond to the deal if. Like, if you maybe take out Fant and put Patrick Sertan in there, or it's Fant plus Patrick Sertan, I think it's a pretty radically different deal.
0: To me, complaining about the structure of the deal is to a degree like saying, oh, I liked the decision to go for fourth down, but I didn't like the play call. Like, no, you're actually saying you didn't like the decision to go for fourth down, but you don't want to admit
1: that. I mean, it's a different deal, though, if there are different players. Sure. Right now we're starting Sidney Jones. Well, okay, but I love City Jones. You've, you've raised a point. You've raised a <laughs> fair like, point. Can you imagine how different well, the DJ to... Reed situation would yeah, be? But... If Pat, if it was Patrick Sertan, DJ Reed, Quandre Diggs, and Jamal Adams, that would be a very good secondary.
0: Just imagine how much they would have played Gerald Everett if they hadn't, hadn't oh, gotten no fit
1: The but the other, and there should have been a, a third round pick in there, but it was just like or a third first round pick in there. But the reality was Russ wanted to go to Denver and that was it. And so they probably got the best possible package that Denver was willing to send. You know, I do think that it's just you can't compare people to Daryl Morey because he's fucking great at this. Like, as long as he's not being instructed by the owner Chris Paul to make a deal, like he's very very urgent. Yeah, it was
0: not Chris to, Paul. Chris Paul instructed him something very different.
1: As long as he's not being instructed by those people to, that he has to make a deal, Daryl Morey will grind you down until he gets the I, shit you
0: I lost. don't, I, I don't know if that happened with the James, the, this James Harden trade.
1: You don't think he turned Ben Simmons into James Harden.
0: He did, but he also he lost the undercard. Okay. By the way, the Nets look a lot scarier than the Sixers right now. A oh. lot. The Sixers look really creaky. Wow. I mean they've lost
1: You're out here defending your trade grades. i <laughs> my trade grades
0: defending themselves. Wow. Because James Harden isn't defending. No. <laughs>
1: There we go. The problem was his
0: offense against the Nets, not, uh, his, not his defense.
1: The Seahawks are not good. At, they're not good. They don't have a history of this, right? They don't have a reputation. They don't have a history. They're not good at grinding teams down. That's not what they do. It's definitely not John Schneider's ability. And it's an unfortunate thing, but like, that's the situation. I think the reality is, were the Seahawks, if we're being honest, were the Seahawks going to win another Super Bowl with Russell Wilson?
0: Very likely not.
1: And it's not the only thing. I think we definitely deprived ourselves of that sort of second prime of having the opportunity to build up the roster again, build up the defense and give Russ another chance when he was a little bit older. That's what we're depriving ourselves of is having that opportunity. And now it's a total starting over and it might be a fucking decade before they have, you know, like any sort of even sniffing the pro bowl caliber quarterback, but the climate around quarterbacks is definitely changing. I think Russ was the first, but this is gonna keep happening. And we also are emotionally saving ourselves just a bit from having to defend Russ. And it's just like all of a sudden you're like, Yeah, Donna's not that bad. You're like, Donna too, I don't I haven't <laughs> haven't heard it, but I've heard some okay things. Right? You're saving yourselves from having to do that. Just be like, yeah, yay, there were, there were some tracks. There were definitely some tracks. Right, that's what we're having to defend ourselves from. Right, we we got rid of Russ at the fucking Life of Pablo. Right there, there there were some there were some uh, uh, there the, there the, were some
0: leaks. The first half of Life of Pablo, I feel like was like yes. like Russell Wilson's two thousand twenty two injury uh-huh. twenty one injuries. Second half of Life of Pablo, do you really story. like the
1: second half? I do. Oh wow, I'm the other way around. Ex- Except for real oh, friends, really.
0: I exclusively like at track seven or so.
1: Wow. Damn, that's wild. <laughs>
0: it's a, it's probably like a, a a personality quiz about the Belton cast in that particular offset. Step up
1: in this bitch, like, um, <clears throat> uh, but so we we did we saved ourselves from that period, right? From being like, haven't like, there's not like 2025 being like, I haven't heard Jesus is King. Come on, nobody has, right? We we didn't get the fucking Ben Roethlisberger. Of I, I don't. F- I don't complaining want complaining
0: to, to Mina Kimes every time when she points out that he has a weak arm.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. no. We see. I didn't want to have to. We don't want to have to fight with Mina on Twitter when she's pointing out the obvious. Yeah. So it, th- that is kind of the nicest piece because the reality is Russell Wilson is going to age.
0: I'm glad that you're acknowledging that.
1: He probably has like two to three more very very good seasons ahead of him, and the Broncos probably will be a competitive team for those seasons, and then. I think it's going to, you know, he'll end up fading at that point. And the Broncos will probably be paying Russell Wilson a hell of a lot of money when that's happening. And it's a really tough place to be. And I still personally would have, you know, they could have waited a year and I do not think his his draft capital trade value would have decreased that much. And I think they fucked up the timing. They should have given them a chance, given themselves a chance in this one year to see what it looked like, to see if they could get it back, even compete for a title. And then, you know, discuss that decision. And it might have been that it didn't work and Pete and John are gone or everybody is gone. But when we're left in the dust at the end of everything settling and what we have left over is Pete Carroll and John Schneider and not Russell Wilson. And Will Disley. And Will Disley. Will Disley and Sidney Jones. That That is the, the harder piece. But I can see if, if I'm really, really rationalizing, like... I, it's gonna be. It's gonna really hurt watching Russell Wilson next year, and
0: I'm gonna be able to. Uh, you know what? I think I'm actually going to enjoy him more than I did when
1: he played for the Seahawks. It was the same. I'm gonna really get your point about the draft pick. Like the same when Sherm... there was that first season in San Francisco where he was awesome, and it was just like, God damn it! And then over time,
0: was it, that was the second season, wasn't it? Wasn't the first season where he was
1: injured, or am I missing? Maybe I think he was things? awesome for a couple of seasons, but like. You know, eventually players do age. I think cornerbacks probably age faster than quarterbacks do. But uh, we've had to save ourselves from the like the rough parts of the end of his career, you know, for the like, you know, he gets a one yard touchdown and we lose our shit. You know, (laughs) know? so that's kind of fun. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the upside of it. There we go. We've rationalized. It's been one week. We've rationalized. Which stage of are we at now? Acceptance.
0: Acceptance. Yeah. I, okay, I I'm great. an
1: acceptance. We got there. We got I, there. it's still gonna be fun to find a new quarterback. <laughs> oh, I
0: know. it could have moments of fun. It's going to be there was a there was a story in the Seattle Times recently about why there aren't more roller coasters in the Pacific Northwest. Well there guess what? There's one more. It's the Seahawks quarterback Hello. position. <gasps> Should we talk about food quickly? Okay. It's week three of Little Woody's Seattle Burger Month. That's Seattle Burger Month, not fast food, but <laughs> Zach Jabal, I finally got it corrected in the notes. The uh, Lungarosa Burger from Aaron Verzosa of Archipelago. Here's how he describes it. With something as iconic to this country as a burger, we just wanted to give you the most American thing we could think of. Our burger is made with hyper-local ingredients, turmeric, lemongrass, and heirloom gar- garlic, to name a few. Also included are highlights such as our house-made bacon longaniza, marmalade and Maria Oroso sauce, aka banana ketchup. Each bite is a taste of American history, telling the stories of those who have shaped our region. Uh, Archipelago, a Philippines restaurant for uh, those those who, are, you know, are not familiar with it. And uh, so I'd never had banana ketchup before. It really just tastes like ketchup. There you go. Sounds good to me. Uh, the highlight of this, I would have to say, was the the bacon Lunganisa marmalade, which gave a terrific, like, it tasted like you were eating bacon, even though it wasn't crispy, like, a physical piece of bacon on the burger. It was a great compliment. So this was a, a very strong entry in Seattle Burger Month. All right. So- uh, our Top Chef update. Spoiler alert, as always, I'll put the uh, the time this concludes in the post notes. This is a spoiler for you again, because you have not watched any of Top Chef season two. No, I'm going to spoil
1: Showtime for you. Season... Have you watched any?
0: I have still not watched Winning Time. Which Winning I'm... Time, sorry. i struggling to get the name of
1: it's all right. Top Chef. I Houston. didn't call it Fast Food Month, when legendary oh. chefs from Seattle are making burgers, and you call it Fast Food Month. They, do you... call, they called David Stern a visionary in the episode, which hurt a little bit. Oh, no. <laughs> Like he's a visionary for moving all of the good teams to the smallest markets.
0: Week two was another rough show for Seattleite Luke Colpin, who found himself in the bottom three facing nope. elimination, but avoided it for his butternut squash and black garlic dish, which was described by head judge Tom Colicchio as bland. One of the harshest critiques you can get. Uh, there's a high school football theme to this week's episode. And right now, Looks like Colvin's going to need to turn his season around after an 0-2 start in the first two episodes. With that, in th- the conclusion of the lockout, I think it's time for, for the first time in a while, your favorite segment. Don't burn yourself. We got Mariners hot takes coming at ya.
1: Well, you know I've been in Nashville recently.
0: <laughs> yes, you've gone over and over about it.
1: So I've got to turn the heat up! On these takes, we're talking Nashville chicken hot. And guess what? You know who I think is going to win the World Series this year? You wouldn't believe it. But it's your Seattle Mariners. (laughs) And after the trade they made this week, I've got a brand new nickname for the newest Mariner, Jesse Winker. He's the anti Russell Wilson. In the same week, the Seahawks moved on from an aging, short, past his prime, expensive quarterback. The Mariners picked up a giant beast of a six foot three, in his prime, twenty eight year old left handed hitting goddamn machine. The most important Mariner since Ken Griffey Jr., a big lefty who is going to destroy the AL West. This offense is. Loaded. Goodbye, Bobby Wagner. Hello, Eugenio Suarez. I'd like to see B-Wags rock that two-phase haircut. No way he's making that happen. Have you seen this?
0: I I don't think I noticed
1: this. Oh, the Eugenio hive is starting. Uh, Ah, Eugenio. Ah, what? Ah, Eugenio. Ah, Eugenio? Yeah. Love it even more. (laughs) Goodbye, DJ Reed. Hello, Julio Rodriguez. Cannot wait to see him in the majors after they've appropriately manipulated his arbitration years. So, as one dynasty ends, another begins. And unlike any report from George Schultz, this is not fake news.
0: Well, I'm still not seeing this facial. Is it facial hair
1: that I'm supposed to seeing? It's his see? hair. What about it? It's black on one side and white on the other.
0: Uh huh. There's not in any of the photos that I'm saying. here.
1: Well, you need to up update your photos. Sometimes okay. there's glitches in the computer.
0: Well, there are definitely glitches in Google sometimes. <sighs> uh, so, yeah, the Mariners made a, a giant trade. Jerry DePoto said on KJR Thursday after the uh, conclusion of the lockout that he woke up, quote, ready to transact.
1: Hello. I've <laughs> Which been there. I've never heard
0: transact used in that sense before. Yeah. Uh, it took a few days, uh, he said afterwards that the Mariners Here's had Eugenio Suarez's hair. That they they had some offers Aww, out there. Eugenio. Wow, that's that is a luck. That's actually the de Vil, isn't it? Maybe is that not? Uh, he said that they had some offers out there to free agents, but none of them gained traction, and so instead they make this move. They did have to give up one of their top prospects, left-handed pitcher Brandon Williamson, as well as a player to be named later. Is not on the forty-man roster uh justin dunn who started 11 games last season had a really good era but his underlying fip was not nearly as strong very fluky balls Betty average on balls in play and then uh good defense outfielder jake fraley
1: which jesse winker and uh, you said his, his name is, are you henio are you henio how is that possible that's what baseball reference says okay fair enough they don't they don't do the defense too much, but yeah, no, <laughs> no, they clearly. Don't. I know, there's other players to do that. It seems like Winker
0: should probably be DH, but uh, DePoto said they're going to rotate several players through DH to give them days off. Uh, he made the All-Star team for the first time last season during his age 27 campaign, busty a career high 556 slugging percentage to go along with his longtime high on-base percentage 385 in his career. Big concern with him is health. Has never played more than 113 games. Missed 52 last season. Uh, and then has, as you alluded to, two years left before reaching free agency after the 2023 season. Suarez, unbeknownst to me, was an all-star in 2018 and got go. MVP votes in both 2018 There's a lot of all-stars in 2018
1: who are unbeknownst to you. Oh, that is
0: undoubtedly the case. I had never heard of either of these two players. Uh, he hit a career-high 49 home runs in 2019, but it's a, a, a big decline in the last two seasons, particularly in his batting average. Uh, 202 198 the last two seasons, taking his on base percentage with it down to 286 last season, his slicking percentage down to 428, driving him below replacement level. Uh, still has three years and 35 million left on his contract before a 15 million team option in 2025. Turns 31 in July. Uh, DePoto said, you know, oh, he's fairly paid for his production. Eh, I don't know if he actually thinks that if we gave him truth to him. So there you go. The, DePoto also said that. Dunn adding to the offense, although with the departure of Dunn, presumably still need to add another starting pitcher along with Robbie Ray, uh, who they already signed in free agency before the lockout.
1: I mean, I think the thinking is Jumio Rodriguez is going to be the addition to the offense.
0: At some point this season, yes. Like, and, and I think they might make some additions in-season. Like that, you know, the, the tr- in-season trade is a possibility as well.
1: And and Kellenick progression. Really counting on that.
0: We should be. We should be optimistic. I don't know if we can count.
1: It's kind of wild to go into a baseball season and be excited about baseball. Like when they ended this lockout, I was like, all right, there's definitely years where I wouldn't have even known.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't have registered. <laughs> I might've mentioned it in the roundup. It, it has also been interesting to see baseball free agency happening simultaneous to NFL free agency. And you know, what's coming next? It's the NHL trade deadline. Oh, great. Oh, next Monday. Uh, Kraken got results in their last two games of their road trip, a 4-3 overtime loss at Ottawa, then a 4-3 shutout win Saturday at Montreal. Uh, Despite those two, Kraken still currently tied for the second lowest point total in the NHL and narrowly second in points per game uh, before they come back home to uh, host Tampa Bay and Detroit in their next two. uh, Ron Francis, the GM, has said the team will train veteran defenseman mark giordano with forwards kelly yarn and marcus Johansson, also likely rentals for contending teams he said they
1: will trade him
0: yeah like that they had a conversation because you know his whole thing was we're gonna have a conversation about do you want to finish the season here or do you want to go play for a contender because you know giordano who recently played his thousandth career nhl game has earned that kind of respect that like it's up to him wow he also has a modified no trade clause so he could play a role in it but uh
1: Ron Francis sounds like a master trader. That's how you get the leverage.
0: Well, the leverage isn't necessary. This is, a, this is a thing. This also goes to the Russell Wilson trade and the idea that he said he only wanted to go to Denver. Well, there are two ways that you generate leverage. And one of those is external, which is you bid teams play teams off against each other, which is what the Kraken will do with Giordano. They don't need the leverage of we're going to keep him to convince teams that they're willing to trade for him. But alternatively, if you're in a situation where Russell Wilson only wants to go to one team, your leverage then is, no, we're going to not trade him at all because hey, he's Russell fucking Wilson. But you just
1: took away one of those pieces of leverage. But I'm saying you don't necessarily need they both of those. They literally said we're going to trade him. If there aren't two teams that want to trade for Mark Giordano. There's like
0: eight teams that want to trade for Mark
1: Giordano. Okay, fair enough.
0: It's, it's fine. It is fine. It's not like they need it. Why does
1: this need to be said? Keep your fucking mouth shut, Ron Francis. I don't know. Why does
0: Steve Nash need to say we're not trading James Harden? Do you think that really Daryl Moria was like, well, now we got to offer a whole bunch more because Steve Nash said they're not going to trade him. Like, It doesn't matter what you say publicly. What rotary
1: club was Ron Francis speaking to? (laughs) Like, I just don't really get why. (laughs) This was not to a rotary club. You don't need to talk. Who is that for? Who is it for? The fans. To tell them in advance that they're going to trade Mark Giordano? Yeah. The fans will find out when you trade Mark Giordano. They I don't think emotionally useful. prepare themselves. Look, they've been fans for like two weeks of hockey. Dog, I think they get it. <laughs> They're like, oh, we've loved Mark Giordano since literally October. A lifelong Kraken fan. God. Oh, I sure hope that the fans aren't sad. Or you think the fans they have never... They probably started loving him in July at the expansion draft. <laughs> they've never paid attention to a hockey team before, so they'll be shocked that players can get <laughs> traded. I. it doesn't matter That's i my... i agree that it doesn't matter because the whole fucking sport doesn't matter
0: this <laughs> whole courtroom is out of order
1: <laughs> <laughs> i've really settled in nicely to hate hockey <laughs> <laughs> this is a comfortable position <laughs>
0: all right sounders here we go got their first mls win of the season much welcomed first three points on Saturday in a wild match that they beat the Galaxy 3-2 despite falling behind early, equalized to Jordan Morris poaching a goal in the 17th minute. Then uh, Freddie Montero converted a penalty that he won in first half stoppage time to give the Sounders a 2-1 lead at the break. They then relinquished it just after halftime, but Javier Ayaga delivered the Sounders the winner in the 72nd minute, heading home in Alex Roldan cross off a corner played short. So Sounders, their first points after losing their first two MLS matches is they've kind of been more focused on the CONCACAF Champions League, which they continue playing on Thursday with leg two of their matchup at Leon. Take the 3-0 aggregate lead on the road. Uh, uh, It was a wild match, by the way. The first CONCACAF Champions League quarterfinal to conclude was NYCFC. In I want to say Guatemala playing comunicaciones they had a three one lead going in and won this and lost this match 4-2, Oh man but one on the away goals tiebreaker two goals wow. wow which is wild so if the, I mean if the Zanders <laughs> can manage to get a goal at León then all of a sudden León has to score five goals to win
1: yes. <laughs> so that's a pretty good situation uh, with I nine... think they're going to be in park the bus mode that's on Thursday Schmetz said
0: they're not. That is Thursday night, five thirty PM. I will be covering covering. Really
1: a... important for Schmitz to warn the fans. <laughs> I wasn't going to watch otherwise.
0: We <laughs> okay, covering an NCAA tournament game and
1: watching the Sounders.
0: It'll be quite something. Oh,
1: don't sit next to John Hollinger.
0: <laughs> I don't think I don't I, I don't know if he's going to be in Portland, but I don't you'll think, think so. that
1: Lyon won the MLS. Well,
0: uh, so they were able to play a first choice <laughs> lineup on Saturday. Without affecting their lineup on Thursday, which should include at some point Nico Ladero, who trained in full Tuesday and should be back in action. Uh, could also get Josh Atencio back as uh, midfield depth he hasn't played yet this season, but will be without defender Jaimar Gomez-Andrade, who left the win over the Galaxy with a high ankle sprain. Uh, Leon again lost 3 nothing. At the weekend to Tigris, and afterward, ma- Manager Ar- Ariel Hulan submitted his resignation to
1: the board, <laughs> only to have it died. Hello, we did that. T- happens in real life. Yeah. Wow.
0: So he'll keep coaching. Apparently,
1: that is wild. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying apparently, to think of apparently, what, apparently, I watched a movie recently where somebody had the, submitted their resignation, yeah, submitted their resignation it. and had it denied. <laughs> I do not accept. <laughs> it's a great movie point, but in León.
0: Apparently the Leon fans were Ch- chanting "Fuera" or "Fire." <laughs> oh,
1: I... <laughs> Board maybe should have listened. I don't know. Uh, I guess we'll see what happens. In this I mean, they just—they just, they just won the
0: league's cup. They won, finished second in the Apertura. I, you know, I wouldn't react to this, overreact to these two bad matches. All right. Well. You know, they'd still get plenty of time in the closer right? Uh...
1: Okay. I think managers in soccer. I, I guess I couldn't say about Mexican soccer. I assume they're fired every three to four weeks. Though. I think I think that definitely is the case in League MX. Yes, yeah.
0: <laughs> much like other leagues. Uh, road trip continues Sunday in Austin against the second-year MLS side. Uh, Sounders won at Austin with a makeshift lineup last year in a midweek game during the midst of international play. But Austin's off to a strong start this year with a pair of home <laughs> wins and an MLS high 10 goals thus far. Three of them for midseason designated player addition. Sebastian Driessi, who the Sounders have yet to play against, while Diego Fagundes is tied for the league lead with three assists.
1: I love how Ariel Holan can submit his resignation after having, like, two bad matches, but Pete Carroll's just hanging on oh, forever. <laughs> didn't. Pete Carroll fucking beat the Lions in one game, had put Russell Russell Wilson put the team on their back to beat the Arizona Cardinals, who get crushed by the Rams in the playoffs, and he'll be the coach forever. Again,
0: the book is a win forever. <laughs> and that win for a few years. Not win as long as Russell Wilson's here. It's a win, win forever. forever. <laughs> oh, a rain.
1: The USC job was open. I... I, I thought it they, they end up with a much better coach, yeah. I do have to say. It worked out for USC. Uh,
0: Oil Reign f- drew 1-1 against U.S. Women's National Team U23 team in their final preseason friendly, getting the lone goal from Jess Fishlock, who uh, Reign again played without Rose Lavelle and Megan Rapino, but Coach Laura Harvey said afterwards they're close to being back with the team. So we'll see if either is available this Friday. Hello. When the rain opened their first full season at Lumen Field by hosting the rival Portland Thorns wow. in the first game and of, of the NWSL Challenge Thorns, Cup, right? So I we're not yeah. going to this. Okay, I'm not going to it. I may or may not end up like all, I'm at a bar on Friday night in Portland, so we'll see if there's a Thorns contingent there. There will be a lot of sports going on on Friday night. Okay, uh, the Thorns won last year's Challenge Cup and the Shield, the regular season title, but were upset in the semifinals of the NWSL playoffs. They have a new manager, as Mark Parsons left after the season to take over the job as the uh, manager of the Dutch women's national team. He was replaced by Rianne Wilkinson, who finished her NWSL career with the Thorns in 2015, has been managing internationally, most recently as an assistant on the English national team. Uh, Thorns without U.S. women's national team star Lindsey Horan, who they lent to, of all teams, Olympically owned.
1: Oh, They've been working for the rain in France
0: by bringing in Lindsay Horan. Uh, She'll miss this season, but bring back stars Megan Klingenberg, Christine Sinclair, Becky Sauerbrunn, as well as rising star Sophia Smith. And also added, do you recall uh, when we did the uh, Tasteful Profanity Live podcast, we were joined on stage by Alex Coffey, who was then of The Athletic and now actually works for my former editor, Mike Wong, in covering the Phillies. Her younger sister, Sam Coffey. Is uh, now with the Thorns, It was their first-round pick in 2021, but played one more year at Penn State before wow. joining the team. Uh, despite <laughs> losing O.L. Rain Loney's Sarah Buati, Eugenie Lesomer, and Jennifer Marochon, Rain's still considered among the favorites in the NWSL. I know this because I looked at one power rankings from go. cdrsports.com, which had them second, behind, ahead of the Thorns. Hello. Uh, Washington Spirit, the defending champs, who signed Trinity Rodman to a contract that's over a million.
1: Oh, damn. <laughs> Yeah, they've got... That must be huge money for the NWSL.
0: Yes. I mean, their, their like average salary or median salary is less than the WNBA, but they don't have that individual... They they added basically a designated player.
1: This is awesome.
0: Yeah. I love this shit.
1: Man, we're freaking going right now. But I, I'll tell you right now, the, the sports world is changing. Yes. Right, but there is another world in sports that's that's really transforming, and there are stars being made in sports outside of the traditional ones. Not hockey, not hockey, of course, but the other sports that are really starting to matter on a national stage. Like seeing the the O'L Reign playing at Lumen Field, it's a big deal. And when Trinity Rodman's coming in, that's going to be an exciting game for sure. Uh, well, I mean, I'm I'm like thinking about. I'll, I'll see what it's like on Friday. But I feel like I could just roll up there ten to fifteen children. It can't be that expensive, right?
0: Probably not you. Yeah. UW softball went three and zero at the Colorado State Inventational, beating Northern Colorado twice and host Colorado State once after the first day of games was canceled due to weather. Run ruled Northern Colorado both of those matchups and held off Colorado State 6-3 in Gabby Plains' lone start of the weekend. Infielder Kinsey Fielder Fiedler I want to pronounce that fielder every time? Was named Pac 12 Freshman of the Week. Huskies with a 19 and 5 record, still number 7 ranking after the non conference schedule. Now open Pac 12 play at Cal this weekend. The Bears went 18 and 8 in non conference, which was good for 8 out of the 9
1: Pac 12 oh teams. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, the playoffs. It's like awful. the anti basketball.
0: They went 3-11 and 11 in Pac-12 play last year, finishing in that same eighth spot. So, uh, okay. an easy landing for the Huskies to start conference play. Uh, not be the case next weekend when UCLA
1: comes to town. To Seattle. Yeah. We're going to be gone?
0: Uh, I'm going to be gone. I think you're going to be here.
1: I might be back. Okay.
0: Yeah, you'll, you'll be back for at least some of that series. I'm going to be in Spokane.
1: All right. Look, pandemic's over, so... <laughs> I'm just gonna have to roll up to all these fucking things with my ten to fifteen. Gym. There you go. Be the only masked people there. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I know that you'll be the only
1: ones. No, probably not. I'm actually I'm impressed with the amount of masking you go to grocery stores.
0: It's more than I expected for sure. Utah men's basketball wrapped up their season in the Pac-12 tournament last week, an 84-72 win Wednesday versus Utah. Uh, just the second time since 2016 that the Huskies have advanced to the second day of the Pac-12 tournament. <laughs> that's what we're
1: impressed by. <laughs> that's, that's where we're at now as a program.
0: The I, I read Percy Allen's like season wrap up that really kind of hammered at home that before that the Huskies had been in the NCAA tournament six out of eight years, and now they've been once in the last eleven years. It's been a
1: it's been a while. Before that, they'd been in the NCAA tournament six out of the last eight years.
0: Yeah, I mean, there was just the two years—the the year where, I there might be a there might be some time in between then, I guess. Okay. But there was a stretch where they went six out of eight years from 04 through, from o four through whatever year that is eleven, and then twelve was when they missed. Yeah, twelve was I guess the start of the eleven years. Yeah, so it was back to back. They there was the two years the the Spencer Hawes year, and then the next year, were the two years where they missed out.
1: Wait, so say that again? The previous...
0: Previous eight years, from 2004 to 2011, they went to six NCAA tournaments. Okay. Since starting in 2012, they have been to one NCAA tournament.
1: Hopkins has been to one.
0: Yes. There you go. Uh, And that that obviously continued (laughs) because they did not win the Pac-12 tournament, despite a pretty good effort against USC on Thursday. On, on Wednesday, they pulled away from the Utes after a back-and-forth first half, outscoring them 21-11 to 11 in the first 10 minutes of the second half. Balanced offense, Terrell Brown Jr. scored 22, <coughs> Jamal Bain 19, and Cole Badgham a 16 off the bench, Hello. one of his better performances. They then led the Trojans by as many as eight points in the second half on Thursday. We're down just one with four minutes left, but uh, scored two points in a six-minute span as USC hung on for the win. Brown had 23 on 9 of 25 shooting in his final collegiate game. No other Husky scored more than 12 points. The team shot 6 of 22 on threes and 14 of 43 on oh twos. God. So we know Brown and Dejon Davis are graduating. As for everyone else, this is kind of the nature. Like college basketball, there was once a time where you like looked at the roster and were like, okay, these are the players that might go pro and these are the players that have eligibility left. Like, nope, none of it matters anymore. The only thing that matters is, have you already transferred? <laughs> and so, Cole Benjamin and P.J. Fuller, we can be confident they're going to be on the roster next year. Okay. Because they've already transferred. They're in the Jake Hayner situation. <laughs> Emmett Matthews Jr., <sighs> also a former transfer, but who knows? He has been un- noncommittal on whether he's going to come back for his fifth year of eligibility or uh, finish his college career. I'd
1: like Emmett Matthews. For sure. He Hope he comes r- back. Really
0: came on over the course of the season. Uh, Jamal Bay and Nate Roberts are the two players who could transfer and be immediately eligible for their fifth year of el- eligibility.
1: Yeah, Bay never it seemed like he never really figured out his role on this team.
0: Uh, I mean, just his role was as a shooter, and the shots didn't go in this year, which they had, I think, the year before he hit like 47% from three, and this year it was like at under 30.
1: Nate Roberts, on the other hand, definitely played. Like I don't I don't really know why you would transfer if you were Nate Roberts.
0: I mean, I think if you had an opportunity, even if it was a smaller role to play on a team that was more likely to go to the NCAA tournament, that could make sense. Uh kinda like uh Desmond Simmons did that, I think.
1: Are there players who transfer first? when you go Clemson, is that right?
0: No, Simmons went to Saint Mary's.
1: Oh. Well, sure, I'd transfer to St. Mary's. Oh, we'd all transfer to St. Mary's, who's <laughs> Look,
0: a five seed, and uh, I will be seeing them in Portland this weekend.
1: <laughs> Look, as a 36-year-old man, if I could transfer to St. Mary's <laughs> right now. <laughs> spend my winter in Baraga? Uh, I wouldn't even have to play basketball, just live there. You shot, I, you I
0: shot, Bay shot 51% on three is is, is a uh, his third year, and 31.5% this year.
1: I feel like Jamal Bay is a, a lock to transfer. Yeah, I don't know.
0: I mean, we'll we'll see.
1: Roberts, I really question, but would love for Emmett Matthews to come back. You just look around at this team and you say to yourself, "I mean, the
0: the thing is, like, yes, this team was unusually dependent on a sixth-year senior uh-huh. uh, for you know who f- was one of the candidates for Pac-12 Player of the Year, but like the concept of again, the concept of like, oh, we're building a program with young talent." Like, no, that that concept doesn't exist anymore. The, the, it's like it the NBA. It exists in
1: other places, though. I, no, I don't no, it doesn't. UCLA had players last year that took them deep in the NCAA tournament, and then those players came back this well, year. yeah, sure. If you
0: go to the Final Four, you're probably—if you lose narrowly to an undefeated team in overtime in the semifinals of the Final Four, yeah, then players are in a hurry to transfer away from New School. the Huskies
1: don't even have players who, like, could play here next year. There's no Johnny Juzang on this team.
0: Sure, but who knows who could? Tra- I mean, the the what if on this UW season as is as better than expectations. As it was is Tari Eason who is going to appear in the lotter in the top ten of my projections, which are out now on ESPN Wait, who? Plus. Tari Eason, where did he play? He's from Garfield. He started his career at Cincinnati. Transferred last off season. Seattle UW was one of the finalists. He instead went to LSU and was awesome there. Like if he had been part of this team, who knows? So like you're always one transfer away, is what I'm telling you here.
1: I, I don't know. That's if I college basketball that. in 2023. One in 2020. transfer away. I still feel like you need good players. Or you might be two player. transfers away.
0: But I mean, they but they had six transfers
1: on the roster
0: this year. Like good. Like I mean, it's not going to be is is dramatic the number of transfers this last year because it was coming out of a pandemic year people had gone recruits had gone to schools that they had literally never seen the campus before uh-huh. because of the pandemic and and there was also you know everyone was there was no penalties whatsoever for anyone transferring last year mm-hmm. now you've got the one time exemption going forward but you do kind of have to get that one time right so I don't think it's going to be as many transfers but Transfers are the lifeblood of college basketball at this point.
1: Tar- Tari Eason? Yes. And he's going to be a top 10 pick?
0: Yes. From Garfield? Yes.
1: How the fuck are there so many good players from Seattle and none of them come to UW?
0: <laughs> well, some of them came to UW this year as transfers.
1: I suppose so. It took a long time for Troll Brown. T- like, we're not talking—Troll Brown's not going to be a top 10 pick. No. Like, the city of Seattle, Washington, is going to have two lottery picks, you're telling me? That is correct. And neither of them will have gone to UW.
0: I mean, Paolo was just like, he was too good to play at
1: UW. I, but if both of them would have come to UW, we're talking about in that same tier with UCLA and Arizona, probably.
0: I mean, I don't know about Arizona. Arizona's number two in the Ken Palm rankings. Like, I'm I'm going to, you know, they're going to be a trendy uh, <clears throat> pick to win the, win it all.
1: For our our pool?
0: <laughs> no, I mean, they're number two in overall
1: of people picking them. That team is mean. Watching them play UCLA, I was like, damn. And they
0: did that without Kirk Risa.
1: They just, they have size and they can shoot. I feel like that team is, I mean, they're better than Gonzaga. There's no fucking way that they're not. I'm sorry. Chet Holmgren is going to get bodied by that Arizona team. He'll never play them because they'll get ousted earlier. But like, the that team is, they're like, that. they look like a professional basketball team.
0: It's wild because Arizona was not that good last year.
1: I mean that again. They they look like grown men playing basketball, and Chet Holmgren he can't hang with that shit. I what do I, they have? Their undersized center. What's that dude's name? Drew Timmy. Get the fuck out of here.
0: I I think Drew Timmy could potentially be more effective than you're making him out to be. But Dale and Terry stepping in point guard and just effectively doing
1: Oh that. my god, he hit everything. Like that stretch did you watch the Pac Twelve Championship?
0: No, I didn't see any of it.
1: There was this stretch at the end of the game where like the last eight minutes where they just kept going back and forth and making buckets, and it was like UCLA was making a bunch of like fairly improbable shots, and Arizona just scores at will. It was like, okay, UCLA literally cannot stop these this team from scoring. Well, they, I under- started,
0: they started the year 47th in the Ken Paul Rankings. Arizona? Yeah, and ended it second.
1: I understand that uh, the NCAA tournament is a mostly randomness, but like they could get knocked off at any time. But, I mean, I watched Duke earlier before I flipped over that game, and obviously Duke against Virginia Tech looked nothing like Arizona. Like, they were unstoppable.
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely think Arizona is better than Duke. Gonzaga is just the great question, Mark. Yeah, whatever. I, I mean, look. We know They're... how good USF is. They beat them three times.
1: USF's a 10 seed. We're talking about Arizona right now. Arizona has a good chance of being a potential NCAA champion. USF's not competing for that. Sure. Look, just saying, has Arizona has not in... played anybody in three fucking months.
0: That's what I'm just saying, though, is they have played teams. They've played St. Mary's. They've played USF. The it's big, not
1: the, the same. You, you look at that Arizona team. The West Coast it...
0: Conference is good.
1: The West Coast Conference they might get be three, good.
0: I would not be shocked if they get two teams in the Sweet 16.
1: Arizona, I mean, the no, level that no Arizona, and really UCLA as well. UCLA is playing at a very high level, but Arizona is just like, they're beasts.
0: I think it is very plausible that the, West, that the West Coast Conference ends up with more teams in the Sweet 16 than the Pac-12 does.
1: How many teams do they have in the tournament overall? Three. And same as Pac-12? Yeah. I will take that bet. Who's UCLA, who, Who's USC playing?
0: I'd have to look at the matchups here before I officially make that
1: bet. <laughs> all of a sudden, I mean, as far as like the West Coast Conference has two teams that are eight or higher, right? Who should make it?
0: No, the West Coast team only has conference only has Did Sweet you say Sixteen. St. Mary's was the five? Yeah, but Sweet Sixteen oh, is the, the top four. four up. Okay. And all of the Pac twelve teams are top four seeds, right? Not or no, see. USC is not. So. UCLA and, and uh, Arizona both are, though.
1: USC is a seven.
0: It's an interesting bet.
1: Oh, it's St. Mary's UCLA in the second round. Oh, right. If in, they win. In wow. Battle for California.
0: There you go. I think
1: that UCLA team is going to be pretty hard. To so beat.
0: that would determine it, presumably.
1: All right. Well, I'll take you. UC- They're probably going to get fucking beat by Akron.
0: <laughs> I don't know about that. UCLA is a very good team. Uh. Should we talk about USF quickly? All right. They are matched up against Murray State. Mid-major powers. Murray State. It's a State pretty tough matchup. 30-2 this season. Got a 7 seed. They'll play each other in Indianapolis. So an advantage for Murray State, which is much closer. That's some Belt guess geography. Mm. Murray State definitely much closer to should, Indianapolis. Should I try to
1: guess where Murray State is? Please don't. <sighs> Murray State.
0: I'm pretty sure I know this. I'm pretty I'm... good at this.
1: Well, I'm guessing they're not in Indiana. They are not. No. I'm going to say that they are in North Carolina. No. Where Kentucky. Ah.
0: So, uh, and the the bracket knowing doing them no favors because the winner faces a likely second round matchup against Kentucky, the highest rated number two seed per Ken Pong. and very trendy pick to make the final four.
1: Kentucky is. Yes. Who's the not USF? Who's the one in their region? Baylor. Okay. Baylor. Not did, a trendy pick. Who did Gonzaga? We might get Gonzaga versus Duke in the Elite Eight, which would be pretty fun.
0: That would be, yes.
1: I, I all of a sudden, it's just like one of those times where you're like, guess I'm cheering for Duke. They <laughs> <laughs> have a player from Seattle, which is more than Gonzaga can say.
0: No, Gonzaga has Nolan Hickman. We've talked about this. From
1: Seattle? Yes. Proper? I'm pretty sure. What's cool?
0: Uh, I don't know if he went to school in Seattle properly, because he he went to like he went to school in like Las Vegas, I think his last year. Uh huh. I mean, many players do that. That's mm-hmm. not that unusual.
1: I'm cheering for Paulo.
0: No, he went to school in uh, Utah, and uh, previously was playing for Eastside Catholic.
1: Oh God, I'm really cheering for. <clears throat> no Shots to Mrs. Fantasy Genius. Wow. Matthias Dyboll.
0: Wow. All right.
1: I'll cheer for Paula. Well, on that note. <sighs> uh, remember to uh, compete against us in the tournament challenge, both in the men's and women's brackets, starting both this weekend. Women's bracket will be starting on Monday. Friday. Friday, okay.
0: Friday. It's only one day later.
1: They just play through Monday. Correct. Okay. Uh, yeah, make sure to get those in by Thursday morning early. We'll be competing against you, and the winner might win a Pelton cast hat of each bracket if we get them made. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks. Correct. Like th- they're not. Oh. <laughs> Did that all stay plugged in? It's like the Seinfeld episode <laughs> with the briefcase. <laughs> no. <laughs> there's a loud noise and then a scream. Uh, it's everything there's, seems to be There's operation. a distinct thud. <laughs> That's you pulling the console that we record onto off.